Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. It's the takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris Perry. All right, y'all, there is no shortage of wellness influencers and so-called health gurus who are ready to capitalize on the reliable annual influx of customers that the month of January brings. But in recent turbulent years, it's taken a more sinister turn. Some influencers in wellness communities are using their platform to promote conspiracy theories. During the pandemic, the spirituality community embraced something new, QAnon. How do you think QAnon became mainstream in the wellness community? Where we go one, we go all. That's yoga. This strange convergence between right-wing political conspiracism and its anxieties and the aspirational hopes and dreams of New Age spirituality. My name is Matthew Remsky. I'm the co-host of Conspirituality Podcast and co-author of the upcoming book, Conspirituality, How New Age Conspiracy Theories Became a Health Threat. Matthew and other researchers called this phenomenon conspirituality. It's a combination of spirituality and conspiracy. And Matthew says certain wellness circles are primed for this convergence because of three major themes they share with conspiracy thinking. Everything is connected, nothing is as it seems, and nothing happens by accident. Now, to be clear, these ideas can be beneficial to many. They can help us feel connected to our communities, and it can help us feel that our actions have deeper meaning and purpose. But Matthew spoke with WNYC's Janae Pierre about what happens when these ideas turn sour. If you spend a lot of time with those meditative principles during periods of social stress, they can change color a little bit and become actually quite paranoid where nothing happens by accident really means that because 9-11, then 5G or, you know, because <laughs> yeah. or because the World Bank, then vaccines or, you know, if nothing is as it seems, then Dr. Fauci doesn't really want to take an interest in, in public health. He's a sales men for big pharma, it's very easy for very positive sort of internally helpful principles to curdle in a way during a period of social stress. What are we talking about when we mention wellness culture? What kinds of disciplines and practices does that entail? We're talking about disciplines that are susceptible to conspirituality or conspiracy thinking disciplines that are based on intuition as a primary way of knowing the world, practices that foreground magical thinking, practices that present themselves as more holistic or in tune than evidence-based medicine and therapy. We're talking about things like yoga and Reiki and you know certain forms of new age massage uh, that are offered by people who can't really decide whether they're healthcare providers or new age priests. Mm. Um, and that's where customers become vulnerable. But I would also say that there's like a, a sliding scale there of susceptibility that isn't really based on specific discipline so much as on how anxiously the consumer comes into the market. And we've heard some really sad stories about people who, in the stress of dealing with an intractable health issue, they plunge headlong into the hard sell part of the wellness sector where 
influencers are claiming that they can cure diabetes and cancer with herbs or, or you know biofeedback machines the conspiracy theorizing is really really explicit there because these people will often be told that mainstream medicine is corrupt uh, or that doctors want to make you sick so that they can sell you drugs and so on you know this is not what you would generally hear in your typical yoga class at the YMCA. Yeah. Um, but that said, you know, there are styles of yoga, for example, that can be particularly complex, like Kundalini yoga, for, for instance, where there's a fantastical and imaginary world of meditation levels and purification practices designed to bring you towards enlightenment. But the complexity really rhymes closely with the zaniness of, of corkboard guy. And I think that's part of what we believe on the podcast happened to somebody like Russell Brand, who was very into kundalini yoga before uh, he took this sort of conspiracy theory-associated right-wing turn. So how does all of this then get us to QAnon? This has to do really with the links between the history of yoga and fascism, to be honest, uh, in the early 20th century. Going back 100 years, the roots of yoga and wellness are really hopelessly tangled up with notions of ethno-nationalism and genetic purity, with fascist notions, which of course themselves rely on conspiracy theories. And this is happening both in Europe and in India. So famously, uh, Heinrich Himmler carried around a copy of the Gita, and he loved yoga, and he conceptualized of the SS as an order of yogic monks. The basic attraction that they had was not just to the supposed mysticism of ancient Aryan culture, but it was to the notion that good Nordic white men could become super healthy wizards, really, without the aid of modern Jewish things like vaccines and antibiotics. Um, they were also obsessed with making pure babies, and that gets tied up with demonizing queer people. Uh, they really liked that the pre-modern medical practices of yoga preached the necessity of bodily purification, and this resonated with their anxieties about genetic pollution. All of this is happening as the colonial superstructure of the world is cracking, and upper caste Indian proto-nationalists pretty much import this vision of yoga back into their politics in a kind of pizza effect. Um, and that builds up yoga in pre-independence India as a nationalistic exercise regime that will purify the nation. And if you fast forward to today, and we have a right-wing Prime Minister Narendra Modi uh, in India, who's an avid yoga practitioner, and the paramilitary that he cut his teeth in, the RSS, uses yoga as its spiritual calisthenics. And the most popular yoga teacher in India, Baba Ramdev, is a billionaire right-winger who teaches that yoga can cure homosexuality. You know, he's got a daily TV show that plays to millions. It's not a big step from there to a kind of vulnerability in the global North yoga market when it comes to the fever dreams of QAnon. Tell me more about how the history of modern yoga got us here. Fascism contains a number of complexes about the body and how it must be purified in order to represent the strength of the nation uh, and to recall a kind of forgotten 
grandeur of some ancient perfected society. And so this will resonate in any space that encourages people to be anxious about their health, about how pure their food is, how connected to the land is, you know, how healthy their reproductive organs are. And that's all going to connect. We're not saying that everyone who wants to go to a yoga class is a secret Nazi, but <sighs> but that once you're in the echoes of these ideas, which are deeply embedded in the literature and the culture and the affects of the culture itself can start to make an impression because there's a short road really from thinking about the purity of your body, whatever that means, uh, and then imagining what other types of impurity might be plaguing your community and who might be to blame for it and then what you can do about it. On the subtlest level, like the the daily level, we talk a lot about uh, perfectionism of body objectification as we see played out on social media every day. Uh, and that puts a lot of stress on people, especially in this confusing context in which it's conflated with self-care. Stick with us, because next we're going to look at how to practice wellness with awareness. It's The Takeaway. One former NPR editor's grievances are reverberating far beyond a Substack essay. He claims wokeness is ruining the place. That marginalized people are storming the barricades and dictating that this story happens and this story gets killed and we're going to use this language and not use that language. That's not what I saw. On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. We're back with more of Janae Pierre's conversation with Matthew Remsky, a researcher of conspirituality. It's a term to describe the ways that certain streams of wellness and health culture can funnel people into conspiracy theories like QAnon. I think there are some red flag keywords that you might want to listen for. Agenda, if you hear the phrase, the powers that be, uh, if you hear the phrase mainstream narrative, if you know the person doesn't say vaccine, but they say jab or injection or gene therapy, then you're probably in a territory in which the conspiracy theory orientation of wellness culture is at a very high pitch. And then there might be some orange flag keywords like cleansing. Uh, our practices improve natural immunity, which isn't really a thing when we're talking about a novel coronavirus. Um, pra our practices give purification. They give vibrational healing or frequencies. You know, I think also people can be aware of shenanigans and discourse around multi-level marketing that they might encounter in wellness spaces, you know, where, especially on social media, the influencer will say like, hey guys, I, you know, I just wanted to hop on here to tell you about a new protocol. You know, you can make passive income. You can take healing power into your own hands, giving you some kind of feeling that they're looking into your soul when they're probably not. Uh, but they've actually learned how to perform a kind of you know, direct intimate attention that people rarely receive from their healthcare providers or from government officials. Uh, but of course, they can't really follow through on that attention. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to practice yoga or any of these other disciplines that doesn't fall prey to this kind of thinking? 
it's really good if you can find a space in which either your yoga and contemplative and wellness practices are associated with forward-facing social justice orientation because you know the 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 notion that your self-care should be for something beyond yourself i think is a very important clue uh, there's there's been a kind of depoliticization within the yoga and wellness demographic that dates back to the 1970s that really sort of has pushed people away from taking concerns of mutual aid or community building as being primary and it's turned people towards the self project and so i would say that you know a really good way of practicing yoga or practicing meditation is to make sure that you're actually doing it within a neighborhood community that also fosters other types of relationships within it unless these spaces become more than transactional spaces in which people are just working on themselves so that they can become better citizens to be more productive in the gig economy, they're going to be vulnerable to all of the social movements that take advantage of their atomization and their social isolation. Matthew, what's been your experience with conspirituality in the wellness spaces that you've been a part of? My deepest involvement with uh, wellness culture really dates back almost 15 years now. I was in two high demand groups. One was a, a neo-Tibetan Buddhist cult, I would say. And then another one was uh, a cult that was based upon the Course in Miracles. Now, A Course in Miracles is extraordinarily conspiritualist because it posits that the world, the material world doesn't exist, that when you see conflict or stress or war happening around you, it's actually all a projection of your own consciousness. And, and so if you see something unpleasant happening or unfolding in the world around you, then your responsibility is to actually just change your mind. That's the opportunity and the call. And the more horrible the world is, the more compelled you should be to actually reorganize your internal life. And I just want to point out that this book is extremely popular. It is the basis of Marianne Williamson's ideology and uh, daily practice. She teaches out of it every day. These ideas are not fringe. What do you think people who get sucked into this pipeline are really looking for? Oh, I think they're looking for connection. They're looking for explanations. They're looking for some way of having a unified theory that will deal with the complexity of their world. They're also not wrong in criticizing the neglect of predatory and for-profit healthcare systems. They are not wrong in criticizing the lack of accountability for child sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. They are not wrong about institutional failure in modern global north neoliberal democracies. They want something that will nourish them. They want to be heroes of their own stories. They want to believe that they can take positive actions as individuals in the world. And they're being given a lot of bad charlatan-driven answers uh, for these, these very earnest desires. You know, it's no secret that America has a broken healthcare system. What role does that play into the rise of wellness conspiracies? I'm talking to you from Canada, and I'm pretty confident in ah. saying that 
QAnon anti-vax conspiracism did not have as much of a public health impact here as it did in the US. And that boils down to Americans not only having this habit, I think, I'm, I'm also a dual citizen, so I'm not a total outsider, but I know that we, as far as we go, have this habit of reaching for religious solutions to material problems, but also uh, Americans legitimately feel abandoned and neglected by governments and for-profit healthcare. So they're not wrong that the system is rigged against them, but their solutions are are misguided. And I think a good analogy and one that's very related to our topic is how we know now that the satanic panic of the 1980s and 1990s spotlighted the problem of child sexual abuse, but then it attributed it to the nefarious plans of satanic cults rather than the more mundane fact that child sexual abuse is mainly perpetrated at home. Now we see this theme playing out again in the groomer discourse of people like Tucker Carlson. And all of these things are diversions from the mundane cruelties and ravages of capitalism in which we're all participating. So I think conspirituality and QAnon offers an easy way out of very difficult problems. In your opinion, what's the most effective way to help people break free of conspirituality? I think you have to listen to them where their critiques of capitalism or surveillance technology or medical neglect are correct. Really take the criticism seriously. And then you have to point out that the person that is selling them the answer that seems to be so attractive to them is probably just as opportunistic as the very operators in big business and neoliberal governmentality uh, that they're criticizing. We as a podcast really try to find where does the rabbit hole actually produce interesting and authentic, you know, sort of human discoveries about the nature of the societies that we live in? Uh, and where do people get lost in it? And I think that um, if we, you know, walk with the uncle or the aunt who has fallen prey to, you know, anti-mask rhetoric uh, or who has become an anti-vaxxer, as much as we're able, you know, without compromising our own safety, safety, if we say, yes, I understand why you're afraid, we at least have the beginning of a conversation. Matthew Rimsky, co-host of the podcast Conspirituality. His upcoming book is Conspirituality, How New Age Conspiracy Theories Became a Health Threat. Matthew, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Janae. 